Welcome to Point with Daryl Jones, speaker and lead pastor of the Rock Fellowship Church in Miami, Florida, and president of Point Ministries. Our goal at Point Ministries is to point you to the Word of God, where Jesus is the point. Today's message is from the Master Plan series, where Pastor Daryl teaches through the entire book of Genesis, where God begins to unfold his master plan for the salvation of the world. Now let's join him for today's message. Well, I invited you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 42 as we close in. And just to give a little bit of context, Joseph was introduced as a 17-year-old, and he was one who would go back and forth and give reports to his father about what was going on with his brothers that were shepherds. And his brothers' jealousy and envy grew to hatred because they hated that Joseph was favored and loved more than the rest of them. And then Joseph had two dreams that portrayed a picture of him ruling over them, and they hated him even more, and they plotted to kill him. But a couple of his brothers stepped in, Reuben and Judah, and Judah had a plan. Instead of killing him, let's just sell him. And they sold him into slavery, and he was shipped to Egypt, to a foreign land. So he was shipped out of Canaan to Egypt. And there he was serving as a slave, but the text says God was with him. And God blessed him and blessed everything that he touched. And so the master, Potiphar, put him over all of his household and all his affairs. And Joseph served well. But then the text says he was very good looking. He was very handsome. And he was well built. And uh, Potiphar's wife couldn't take it anymore. And she uh, propositioned him day after day after day to sleep with her. And he refused because he refused to sin against God. And so she falsely accused him of attempted rape and he was thrown into jail, even when he was standing in integrity. But the text says the Lord was with him and blessed everything he did. And he was put in charge over all of the prison. And while in prison, two prisoners that were officials of Pharaoh had dreams. Joseph interpreted them correctly because he said God is the one who interprets dreams. And he believed God was still with him and he interpreted their dreams correctly. And he said, tell Pharaoh. Don't forget about me. And he was forgotten about. Two years goes by. Pharaoh has a dream and has another dream. He has two dreams. And in that moment, the official whom we went well with remembered Joseph, told Pharaoh about Joseph. Joseph came, interpreted his dream and gave him the solution to the problem that was coming up on the land. Pharaoh then said, well, who is more wise than this one? So Pharaoh took off his signet ring and made Joseph ruler of all of Egypt. And he said, only am I greater in the throne. He says, anything that's going on in the country, they go to Joseph. He gave Joseph a wife. Joseph had two kids. And we're picking up in the story now of Joseph ruling and saving Egypt. Chapter 42. It says, when Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you keep looking at each other? Listen, he went on. I have heard that there's grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we will live and not die. So 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers, for he thought something might happen to him. The sons of Israel were among those who came to buy grain, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Joseph was in charge of the country. He sold grain to all its people. His brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the ground. When Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he treated them like strangers and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from? He asked. From the land of Canaan to buy food, they replied. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. 
Joseph remembered his dreams about them and said to them, you are spies. You have come to see the weakness of the land. No, my Lord, your servants have come to buy food, they said. We are all sons of one man. We are honest. Your servants are not spies. No, he said to them, you have come to see the weakness of the land. But they replied, we, your servants, we're, we're 12 brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. The youngest is now with our father and one is no longer living. Then Joseph said to them, I have spoken. You are spies. This is how you will be tested. As surely as Pharaoh lives, you will not leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one from among you to get your brother. The rest of you will be in prison so that your words can be tested to see if you are true. If they are not, then as surely as Pharaoh lives, you are spies. So Joseph imprisoned them together for three days. On the third day, Joseph said to them, I fear God. Do this and you will live. If you are honest, let one of you be confined to the guardhouse while the rest of you go and take grain to relieve the hunger of your households. Bring your youngest brother to me so that your words may be confirmed. Then you won't die. And they consented to this. Jump over to chapter 50. Chapter 50, verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said to one another, if Joseph is still holding a grudge against us, he will certainly repay us for all the suffering we caused him. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before he died, your father gave a command. Say this to Joseph. Please forgive your brothers their transgression and their sin, the suffering they caused you. Therefore, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when the message came to him. His brothers also came to him and bowed down before him and said, we are your slaves. But Joseph said to him, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your children. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Today's title is Strategic Timings. When you read a story like that, it's a lot of emotion in that passage, isn't it? We see wrongs. We see suffering. We see reconciliation. We see revived spirits. We see families coming back together. And we see all this in the midst of God rolling out and unfolding his master plan that seemingly made no sense. You know, interestingly enough, recently I, I spoke with one of our friends who's a doctor, and, and she, she shared something with me just in how our body systems are made up and how our systems work certain ways, but when certain things go wrong, there are certain mechanisms that kick in at certain times to make sure that our body survives. You know, she even shared with me that there's a system even within our heart that we have these cells that are pacemaker cells that keep the time of our hearts like they should be. And yet, even throughout life, and they, we have them for life, but there are times where they may be failing and there are other systems that kick in just in time to make sure our heart doesn't stop. When she shared that with me, I thought about God's timing in this because we've seen God move Jacob's son, his favorite son, Joseph, from his household to a slave in Egypt, to a prisoner in Egypt, to now ruler over Egypt. So when the famine came and hit their land in Canaan, 
God had Joseph in place to feed that entire family. Think about how amazing that is. You know, when it said, and Joseph's been so mistreated, and yet God has moved him and strategically positioned him for the exact moment when Pharaoh had the dreams that God gave him so that Joseph could be the only one in the land to give the answer to the problem. What's interesting is he gave Joseph the interpretation and the wisdom that would deliver the whole land. You know, even as he gave him wisdom in the times of abundance, the seven years of abundance, store away a fifth of everything so that when the seven years of famine come, there's enough food for everybody. You know what that sound like to me? That sound like savings. God gave wisdom for savings and in a time of abundance to put aside. Notice it was in abundance because God gave more than enough during the time. So he said, take what we need to feed everybody during this time of surplus, but put aside the surplus so that when the famine hits, we ready. Joseph was exercising godly wisdom as the Lord put him in position to be Lord over all of Egypt. But then the problem hits Canaan. It hits those very brothers that sold them into Egypt. They can't eat. They're running out. And their daddy finds out, hey, I heard this food in Egypt. Go down there. Go get us some food. They show up. And Joseph recognizes them. You look in the text. Joseph recognizes them. And it's like, whoa. Now, remember last week when we were together, we looked at in this story, Joseph had put his past behind him. You know, he named his sons strategically and specifically praising God because of his past that God has delivered him from and overcome and he hadn't looked back. And now all of a sudden, all that pain and all that anguish has come right back in his face and he tests them. You know, we read this story and we find out, you know, certain scholars, they, they wrestle with, why did Joseph go through all of this? Well, we may not know exactly why. We can pick up a few things in the text. One was, was to bring his brother back. Two was it allowed the brothers to own their transgressions. They owned their sin. They owned their wrong and begged for forgiveness for it. When you think about that, that that was actually acknowledging sin and they had a heart of repentance for what they had done. Their sin was put in their face and they owned it. One of the first steps to repentance in our lives is that when we have done wrong, when we have transgressed against God's word, when we have sinned, when we have stepped out of line from God's word, is we got to own it, y'all. We got to own it. We got to call a spade a spade. We can't sugarcoat it. We can't rename it to make it seem a little easy. Let's call it what it is and then seek God as we turn from it. We even see another change that happened in their brothers. Because remember, when they, when they did what they did to Joseph, they didn't care anything about how it affected their father. Now they are greatly concerned with how their father's affected. Joseph kept Simeon back, and he was giving the brothers an opportunity to make good on their word and to show their intentions. They go back and they report to their father and their father was like, look, I can't lose another son. I can't lose my youngest. I can't use my baby. We know how it is with that baby, right? We can't lose the baby. He says it can't happen. But check this out. Jacob, the father Israel was content. Look, I lost Joseph. I lost Simeon. I can't lose Benjamin. So that's it. Y'all not going back. What the text say? 
the famine grew severe and they ran out of food. Now, when we go back, who was in charge of the famine? God. So that God caused it to even be even worse, and now they've run out of food, and where they have to go? They got to go back. They got to go back to Joseph. Once it was content, they're not going back. I, I, Jacob chalked it up as a loss. I, I lost two boys. I can't lose another one. But now God has allowed the famine to grow severe, and they've run out of food, and they got to go back and face Joseph. And they can't go back without Benjamin. And they bring Benjamin before him, and it says, Joseph got overwhelmed and cried. It was so bad, he had, to, he had to sneak around the corner. He had to wash off his face. That's how much he was losing it. And he tested him one more time. It's, it's, it's kind of a trip because he, it, can you imagine? He says, that the, the text, I'm not going to even make up imagination, imaginative things. In the text, it says that they, he set them down in order from oldest to youngest, and they were looking at each other like, what in the world is going on? He gave Benjamin five times more food. And they sitting there like, what is going on? But if you notice something, if you notice something throughout the text, what they're wrestling with, what Joseph wrestles with, and even the steward is, they acknowledge and they recognize God is involved in all of this. And then when it comes time to where Benjamin is going to be left and taken as a slave and he's going to send all the rest of them over, we see Judah stepping up to the plate. And this becomes real important. And next week, you're going to see why this is so important. Judah becomes to step up to the plate more and more, and he wants to substitute himself. And Joseph breaks down, and he reveals who he is. And they're terrified. They're terrified because they think Joseph, as ruler of Egypt, he's going to bring down the house. He's going he's to make them pay for what they did. What they did not expect was a forgiven heart. Joseph had completely forgiven what his brothers had done. And you want to know why Joseph had a heart of forgiveness? It's right there in the text. The main passage for this, for this entire Joseph narrative is found when Joseph says these words. He says, you all didn't send me down here. God sent me before you. And he said this, he says, to save many, to deliver many. And then he says this, he makes it even personal. Matter of fact, God sent me down here to save y'all. The reason Joseph could have such a forgiving heart for all of the wrong and all of the sin that they did to him, for all that he had gone through is because he recognized this one thing, God was still in control. If you want to ever have a heart like Joseph, a heart of forgiveness for the wrong somebody has done to you. I'm not sugarcoating it. They did him wrong. They plotted to kill him. They sold him as a slave. They treated him like trash. He was treated and mistreated over and over again, forgotten about all his suffering, and he yet could forgive everything they did because he understood one thing. God was in charge. God was in control. And then he says this, he, 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 he shows them grace. And I'm going to get into this a little deeper in just a moment. He shows them grace. He says, look, don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of y'all. It goes even to one part we didn't read. When he reported to Pharaoh, Pharaoh and him, he says, look, bring them all back. Bring them all back to Egypt. Tell them they don't even have to bring their stuff, for we're going to give them all the best Egypt has to offer. Check that out. He forgives them. 
for what they had done. And then he rewards them with things they do not deserve. You know what we call that? You know, you know what, you know what the, us, us preachers call that? You want to know what theologians call that? God's grace and mercy, y'all. This is the, one of the greatest and earliest examples of God's grace and mercy that he's going to continue to unfold throughout the rest of the scriptures because we're just covering the first part of the Torah because what comes next is Exodus. All according to God's plan. And he's painting a picture because if you look at how Joseph is portrayed, there is no fault given to Joseph at all. Joseph is portrayed as an exemplary one who trusts God and is full of the spirit of God and being used by God. And he's showing the nation of Israel contextually of all the patriarchs, the first 12 patriarchs of all the 12 tribes. He shows them as not deserving what God has promised them. And yet God, through his grace and his mercy, will keep them. That, that, that doesn't make you feel good. And let me break down what grace and mercy is because we hear these words and sometimes it can become a little confusing. Let, let's start with grace. You know what grace is? In a nutshell, this is what grace is. Grace is receiving reward you do not deserve. You do not deserve it. And we've experienced that. Some of y'all, you know, when you're in class and the teacher grades on a curve, you know, like you took the test, you made a 50. You know, you deserved a 50. But because the test was hard, the, you know, the highest grade might have made an 80, and y'all like, good, they didn't make a 100. That way I can get that curve, right? So we're going to round everything up 20 points so that, that 80 go up to that, you know, that 100, and your little 50 go up to 70. And then you walk out of that feeling like, well, I did that thing. I passed that. No, you didn't. You flunked it. You failed. But because of some grace, you got a good grade. You know, that's what grace is. That's what grace is. God bestowing favor, God blessing in lieu of you don't deserve it, and yet he gives it anyway. And then mercy. Mercy is not receiving the punishment you do deserve. That's mercy. It's, it's funny, as a, as, a, as, a, as a father, you know, I find myself, you know, issuing mercy sometimes because I'm trying to teach some, you know, some of the kids, you know, to, to tell the truth. And they'll do something wrong and they deserve wrath. You know, they, they deserve wrath. And yet, I, and, I, and I, I pull that old, that old Bible language. I, I pull that old Joshua language. I'm like, look, give glory to God and tell the truth. You know, that's what Joshua told Achan and, and Joshua. You can check that out. I said, so I, they be like, Daddy's so churchy. Give glory to God. Tell me the truth. Matter of fact, you tell me the truth, you won't get in trouble. Just tell me. The, if you lie, it's going to be doubly worse. But if you tell the truth, you won't even get in trouble. And they look and they wrestle. And you see them wrestling. It's this wrestling match. Do I sorry, be honest? Do I? And then they tell me the truth. And I'm like, I give them a kiss. And I say, look, and we talk through it. That's mercy. Because what they deserve was wrath and punishment. What they got was none of it. Mercy. God displays already through Joseph to the nation. Because remember, contextually, this is written so that the nation of Israel would put confidence in this covenant-making God that he's given them that land of Canaan. You know, you jump to the end of Deuteronomy. They're reading this because Moses is writing this so they know God has promised this. Who is that God? The God that made a covenant with you. Who is that God? The one that delivered you from Egypt. Who is that God? The one who made a covenant with Abraham. Well, who is that God? The creator of the heavens and the earth. Trust him. God's grace and mercy is seen. And Joseph issues this to the brothers that don't 
And, and, and you, know, you know what I love about this passage? Because it, when, you, when you read, I skipped over some stuff. When you read through this, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of excitement. It's a lot of joy. When Jacob shows up, can you imagine? Jacob shows up. He ain't seen him. You know, matter, let, let's, let's, let's get a little more exact. Okay, so uh, when you look in the text, uh, Joseph had his sons before the famine hit. The, the, the abundance was seven years. You know, when you, when you read in the text and some of the parts I skipped, it was in the two years that had gone by before they came. So Joseph was at least 39 or 40 years old when his daddy saw him. Think about that. Probably 40, 41, depending on the, on the thing. So he hadn't seen him since. All he knew is when my son was 17 years old, he died. And then he walks up on him as a 40-year-old approximately. Ruling over Egypt. A Hebrew. All according to God's plan. But what I love about this text is the brothers, like, really, the, the story is not so much for us to think we Joseph. You know, Joseph is actually portraying a type of Jesus. We're actually more like the brothers, okay? You know, we, we got to put ourselves in the place of the brothers. Because at the end, that's, their father Jacob dies. And they're like, oh, Joseph gone. Like maybe Joseph. They even misunderstood grace and mercy. I read it because I'm like, we the same way. We be in church, we in the Bible, and we feel all good. And then all of a sudden, we start thinking about our, 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 our sin or what we've done or our past. And we feel like, but well, well, God ain't with me. God going to punish me. God going to get me. Like, this can't. I got to. And we, we start thinking we got to do certain things to earn merit or favor. And we misunderstand God's grace and mercy. And they... It, extremely forgot because they were like matter of fact they concocted a lie they like look, 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 he gonna get us daddy died so let's 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 make up a story let's say daddy left a message for him daddy said hey but when I, if i die forgive your brothers don't 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 get them don't make them pay for what they did and he caught they and what's interesting is they call what they did sin and the suffering they caused in Joseph said, come here, man. Joseph Huggins was like, look, man, y'all meant it for evil, but God planned it for good. That's an encouraging thing when you think about this, because many of the plans of man, when I say man, I'm talking about humanity, can be evil. And we call it evil, but there's one who's still in control. And while they may have planned it for evil, God's planned it for good. So when you think about this, all behind the scenes is this another word we use about God's providence. You know, him working in human affairs. And if I told you I knew exactly how this works, I'd be lying to your face. Because so much of this don't make sense. But it makes enough sense for me to know he got, he got it. He knows what he's doing. And I can trust him with everything I have. Because while people may mean it for evil, God behind the scenes, because I belong to him, means it for good. And he's taking me on a path and he's using me on a purpose so that he may show himself faithful and he receive all the glory. He's working it out. You know, when you think about our insurance, we think about like, oh, man, I, I can't afford it. Oh, man, the cost. You may think, you know, we may have these negative things. The, the whole issue, you know what insurance is, is really tailored to give you? Peace of mind. Peace of mind. Like the whole point of having insurance, whether it's auto insurance, home insurance, life insurance, whatever it is, is that you just have peace of mind. So you know when the the you know the ebbs and flows of life happen, 
and they will happen. You're not worried about it because you're like, I, I got peace of mind. It's, it's covered. From now on, when you hear the words, are you in good hands, I want you to think about whose hands you rest in. The old children's songs, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. When you think about that, I want you to think about that song. He holds the world in his hands. And you who belong to him by faith in Jesus Christ are part of him fulfilling all the promises that he's given. All the covenant promises are found as fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And you are in good hands. And what that gives you is you got peace of mind, y'all. So that when others mean it for evil, you know God means it for good. When others, when it causes you sorrow and pain, you're able to have a forgiving heart because you know God is in control. And when God is in control, if God be for me, who can be against me? If I'm in his hands, and you know what Jesus said to that I love? He says, no one can snatch you out of my father's hand. No one can snatch you out of my hands. You in good hands. He's strategic in his movements, his positioning, and his timing. Rest in that peace. Amen. Thank you for listening to Point with Daryl Jones. This was just one part from the series Master Plan, where God begins to unfold His master plan for the salvation of the world. If this ministry has blessed you and you would like to partner with Point Ministries, please visit daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org. Your financial generosity keeps us on the air, and we are grateful for your faithfulness. Also, if you would like to hear more from the Master Plan series, please visit daryljones.org slash masterplan. And remember, keep making Jesus the point.